Evans, and this is Disrupt the Media, a podcast about disability in the media. So today we have a filmmaker, um, she's a film director, like me, um, and it is Jen Brea. She is, did I say that right? Because I, I mean, even two That's seconds. Perfect. <laughs> great, great and she is a disability activist and um i i consider her a friend i mean we've never actually met but i feel like we know each other because we've spoken for so long on social media so jen it is so good to have you on disrupt the media thank you and it's so good to finally meet you yes yes in in voice in voice, in voice. In voice, but for me, like because so many people in my part of the community are homebound, it's like that is that that that's how we meet, right? Like that's when it that that is meeting you, right? And that's what your film Unrest was really kind of not necessarily focusing on, but it kind of heightened the awareness for people that. Um, disabled people, that's how a lot of us do meet um, because a lot of your film was shot for people in their homes using Skype or some other video and audio type communication with you. Yeah, no, definitely. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, I feel fortunate because I've been able to get a little bit better. And so, um, uh, you know, I have, I, I have an amazing wheelchair and I can go out now and, and, and get around more. But during um, the production of the film, I was um, almost completely bedridden and, um, and couldn't, and couldn't travel, um, couldn't um, often even leave my, my home. And so I started to tell the story of that own experience and what happened to me personally, but also to um, tell the stories of, you know, several, several people that I met online through our online community um, and, you know, interview them via Skype um, and, and, and really follow them, you know, using crews in, um, you know, in the, in the countries and the towns where they lived. Um, And so I think there's a lot, a lot in the film, but one of the things that it does reflect is really the way that, um, you know, social media um, in particular has helped us to create these like virtual communities and these friendships and these connections that, uh, you know, can be just as, as profound, if not more so um, than the ones that people have in person. So um, it's, it's a, I, I, yeah, I hope that comes across in the film. Oh, I think it does. Well, as someone who kind of goes between being, you know, multiple times I've been trapped in bed for whatever reason, mostly because of ill-fitting or non-working wheelchairs, um, you know, as some as a filmmaker who goes back and forth between I've been stuck in bed, you know, and fighting to get out and, and doing that, it, to me, it, You've opened up a whole new doorway for filmmakers that are disabled because, you know, that's my struggle. How do I make a film if I'm stuck in bed? And I don't think that, you know, even five, ten years ago, we would have the technology to do what you've obviously very successfully done. Um, well, thank you. And, and yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, there's so many, for so many reasons, this film couldn't have been made even, you know, five, 
uh, or 10 years earlier. And I think there's a lot of technology that came out of the sort of, um, you know, all the kind of innovation around both like DSLRs and, um, you know, things like iPads and lighter weight computers that were about making you know, using advances in technology that made filmmaking cheaper and more accessible for indie filmmakers in general, but that some of those same tools, I think, also make, uh, you know, uh, filmmaking for directors with disabilities more accessible. So um, I remember early on, um, you know, uh, finding these apps that if you're on set, turn your... Um, your, you know, your iPad into a monitor for whatever camera you're shooting with. Um, and, you know, and it's meant to be a lightweight, easy way uh, to give a director or, an, or another crew member, um, you know, to, to turn their iPad into an extra monitor. Um, but there's no reason why you have to actually be there to use the monitor. You can have the the monitor be, you know, the sort of sort of your, your camera be broadcasting to an iPad, you know, at your home um, when you can't be on set. Yeah. So, like, I think there's there's lots of different tools that I think are have been made for one reason that I think can can be can be used, can be hacked, can be you know. Um, incorporated into our filmmaking and so you know that's something that I've been thinking a lot you know now that I am I am both more able and at the same time there's no way that I could make a, a film um and I, I'm actually particularly I, I, have a, I have many questions for you because I'm interested in 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 in, in making uh, some fiction as well um and so you know but I know that like I couldn't be on a set all day for like 20 days straight. And so like, what, what does designing production look like? And so those are questions that I'm still trying to wrestle with. I think it's something we are trying to figure out. You know, I know it's something I'm trying to figure out on one of my last films. We had to shoot a scene and it was in my house, but there was no room for me to be in the house in that room with all the equipment and everything. So we wired up a monitor and took me out into the garage. Now it was in the middle of summer, so it was like sweltering. I'm out there dying, but um, it really kind of showed the potential of having your monitor. I was in a completely shut off garage where, um, you know, the action was happening and, you know, my DP was, you know, I said to him, you know, you yell action and then I will give them notes in between, you know, or if I want someone to stop the action and, you know, do something, I had someone with me and I would say, go knock on the door. They'll know that that something's not right. We need to stop. So it was kind of finding out those ways and having a cinematographer willing to kind of do kind of unique things that they might not do with other directors that really made it possible for me to handle uh, long shoot hours, you know, and that's one thing um, I would say, right, the second having long shoot hours would be difficult for me, but I go between moments where I can do a 14 hour day and moments where, you know, two hours in my wheelchair is killing me. So, um, I, I think that you and I are in similar positions for different reasons, you know, um, yours being symptoms of your disability, while mine is mostly chronic pain 
from not having the right equipment for so many years. So um, I, I really think with technology, we'll be seeing even more ways to where we can commute to shoots thanks to things like Skype and um, like I'm really excited to hear about this video monitor thing because video monitors are so expensive ridiculously it's like a TV we actually got one of my other TVs to make an extra monitor because it was so much cheaper to, to just use a TV I had rather than purchasing this special monitor you know that, that goes with uh, shooting when you're going to see, I mean, some of the monitors are a little better because they're designed for that. But at the end of the day, you're still seeing it on a TV screen. So you know what it's going to look like on there. So having that option, that's so exciting. I'm so glad you told me about that. Yeah, well, and I guess I would say two things. One, you know, I mean, the, the, the scenario that you're talking about in some ways you know, it's, it's of like having to be in a different room. It's, it's partially because of your disability. It's being in a, in a chair that maybe, that, they, that maybe can't fit in the room with all the equipment, but you know, a lot of directors would actually just, just do that anyway, because, you know, it may be that the scene requires an angle where it wouldn't be possible to get in the room. Or I, I recently visited a set where, you know, it was a, a huge set, but the way that they were filming it, you know, they have all of the, um, you know, uh, 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 various cameras rigged up um, on dollies, et cetera, for like this one scene. And then everyone was, you know, everyone, including the director and the DP were outside the room, like at like in, at like the video village. Right. And so it's it's, it's these right. practices like the, I think there were some things like that, which are just sort of a normal part of operating, which can actually but you know, concepts that can be adapted and used for us. Um, the, the 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 thing with the monitor. So what I had, um, and I don't. I mean, I, I know this is about disability in the media. I don't know if this is like too technical or like. Please stop me. I mean, I know you'll understand, but like, I don't know how. I don't know if your audience like if I should just if I say anything that doesn't make sense, just let me know. Um, but like, we were. Um, we, so we, what I got was something called um, a Teradec, which is basically it's it's a it's a device that's used a lot um, for like local TV stations, um, and also I think right. uh, uh, it's popular among like you know kind of like high school uh, you know TV news like the morning announcement type things. But it's it basically is it's almost like a kind of um, you know a lightweight poor man's alternative to satellite where it, it it'll take um, uh, uh, you know uh, I think it's over HDMI but it, it'll take um, uh, essentially like a, a video feed coming from your camera and we'll then compress it um, and and stream it over you know a Wi-Fi or mobile network and then um, and so I had RDP on location you know I was in I was in New Jersey and RDP might be in you know the countryside of England or of Denmark um, and they would be streaming you know live with a 30 second delay um, to a, a closed feed on my um, on my computer that I would then be able to watch from bed. And so I would, I would be watching as they were filming and then I would be 
um, you know, uh, texting notes um, and then checking um, via Skype um, with the crews on location. And so that that's sort of one thing that I did to kind of, you know, for this context. And I think some of those um, those tools can definitely be adapted, you know, for being on set. Although I guess I wonder, I mean, you know, obviously I, I don't know if it's possible to like calibrate, you know, a, a, um, a, a laptop or an iPad for like, for, you know, kind of color and light and those types of things. But the, I think the one thing this conversation is showing me is that we need to get together everybody. You may have already done this, but like everybody who's just like wrestling with these really practical um, questions to sort of pool, like, what are your hacks? Like, what have you done? And I bet there's, there's solutions in different people's experiences that I think would be really, really helpful to kind of collate, um, uh, you know, and I've like, since starting to this coming out with a film, I've uh, met a, a couple of, um, directors with, um, uh, invisible disabilities who, or who really struggle and um, and aren't even you know aren't out um, about it, but like it's it's a uh, who I think are also actually really craving um, you know solutions, um, whether they be tech solutions or scheduling solutions or different ways of designing a team to figure out like how do I rely on my AD my assistant director in a different way um, because I need that extra support. And so it's, I think, I think it's a, a topic that has um, an even wider, I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 it's an even bigger issue and question than I, than I even knew. It'd be fun to talk with companies that uh, make accessible or not accessible, make film equipment about, coming up with solutions. I love the idea of being able to live stream what's being recorded. You know, what if that technology made it possible for any director to shoot? Um, Because, you know, whenever we develop something for disabled people, it almost always is helpful to non-disabled people. Standards. So um, I think that uh, many directors would find it, you know, so much easier uh, to shoot in places they might not be able to get to as easily or um, if they have a tight schedule, you know, and they're going from film to film or project to project and need a quick turnaround, this technology could be so beneficial just beyond those of us who will use it, you know, in a totally. more and you think it, you also think on um, films where, um, you know, on bigger films where directors might have second units where they're not actually there in person. I remember famously, I think Stanley Kubrick like refused to fly after a certain point. So like sometimes things would be shot and like. I, 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 I may be confusing the stories, but like there was some director who was like he like refused to go and be on location for like one particular scene because of some um, either preference or phobia. But like like there's other people who have that who who, who need to work remotely, um, you know, uh, maybe for a different reason. And so it's it's a uh, yeah. I think I think I think that would be really cool. And you know, I, I, it's almost making me think that that we should um, find out like 
what is some like conference or expo where a lot of these companies kind of get together and say like, let's do a hackathon. Let's get a bunch of disabled directors together and talk to design, like product designers about what their, what their use cases and needs are and see like what we could create. Let's do it. That sounds like I'm in with that. That sounds like a great idea too. And if anybody's listening, um, you know, feel free to tweet Jen or I. Jen, what's your sure, Twitter I'm so they have Jen it? Jen Brea, J E N B R E A. And if you don't have it, I'm at Dominic Evans, and I will post our Twitter links or at least our names in the comments for the uh, podcast so you know exactly how to get in touch with us but we would love to have other directors um, or filmmakers even if you um, I'm trying to think about like ways that we could make things easier on lighting and sound and things like that so that disabled people have greater access although I kind of feel like in some ways certain parts of sound are already um accessible if you can use the software because you know i know that jim Mm -hmm. who did your sound uh is disabled and he's you know a legend in in our community um in terms of being someone who works behind the scenes and film um yeah no jim's amazing he's an incredibly uh talented sound designer and um you know he you know, I think I think you I think he's talked about this with you in the past, but he he chose that in part because um, he you know he knew that that was a, a a kind of aspect of filmmaking that he both liked and was good at, and also that was accessible to him. And he's now venturing out as a director. Um, so he has he has spina bifida, um, and he is now directing his first documentary called Crip Camp, which um, and is now kind of facing all of these questions because it's hard for him to travel. Um, airplanes are really difficult, I know, because like IL chairs are not <laughs> not his bag, and um, yeah. and so like how how to, you know, with a documentary, like how to be on the road um, and, and, and how to kind of plan that. And so, you know, our disabilities are different and some of our needs are different, but I just think like some of the, you know, like oftentimes you don't even know what the solution to a problem is going to be until you meet it and then just try to like figure it out, which like frankly is half of directing for like most people anyway. And so it's like, it, I think, I just think really talking about it all together would be really fascinating. And I've already learned something talking to you, like just just sort of hearing about how you use a monitor. So yeah, we should, we should totally do that. And, um, and I do think, you know, one of the things also is that I, I, I think if sets, you know, it's, it's one thing when you're shooting on location, but I think, I think there's, you know, I think sets can be, um, you know, absolutely designed very easily to be like broadly accessible. Um, and so there are already, you know, a lot of, um, I think spaces that could be with a little bit of modification, um, you know, made, made accessible to, um, to, you know, a, a wide range of people and, that's part of what intrigues me about trying to sort of, I'm not saying I'm leaving documentary behind, but to make some of that transition to narrative, because as someone, so with my disability, I'm both, I'm both in a wheelchair. I can walk a little bit, but like not very far and I, and like, and not for more than like a minute, a minute or like less, but I, um, 
but I, uh, uh, and so like, it's important for me for a space to be like wheelchair accessible, but then also I have, um, you know, I might be able to do a 12 hour a day, but then I won't be able to do it the next day. So like the more I can kind of meter my activity, the, the better. And so that's a question that I'm still trying to figure out because the culture is like you shoot really intensely um, and then you're done. Um, whereas the dot culture is like, shoot a little bit, stop for a while, shoot a little bit, stop for a while. And so I'm trying to figure out like that rhythm. But, but the thing with fiction is that because um, you can plan um, in a different way and um, not just because it's scripted, obviously, but because you can, you can have, you know, very, and, 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 different directors work in different ways but like because you can like very intensely storyboard and have you know rehearsals and conversations with your dp in advance i think it it actually allows for um a kind of collaboration that i think makes it possible to um uh how do i say it i guess to to you know whereas like it if something is happening upstairs, all of a sudden, I'm not going to run up the stairs. Like that's never going to happen. Right. Like, but, but it's, it's like in a documentary setting, but in a fiction setting, everything can be at least to, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe things just go crazy anyway, but like things to be planned in a different way. And I'm hoping that that. Things can definitely go wrong, but that depends on your crew um, we had an issue with one of our crew members and um, something happened with our money. And my girlfriend, um, she's a screenwriter and she kind of was handling the money for us. And she went to get money and something happened and it was like, you're withdrawn. And she started, you know, having a panic attack because we were in the middle of filming. And um, then she realized what had happened. One of our crew members um, did something that was too long to get into, but, um, you know, in the middle of me filming, everybody's saying, don't tell Dom what's going on. Cause he's kind of, you know, when you're in that headspace, I, I didn't know what was going on outside of what was the scenes I was shooting. You know, I'm very, very focused and, and, kind of narrow-minded when I'm I'm doing that, you know, which is good because then I can get the best scene possible. But then, you know, things started falling apart because nobody was telling me. And it's like, look, you have to tell me what's going on. Um, so things like that can happen. And if you run over budget, like um, one of my ADs, he was so obsessed with um, – getting everything done on time that he would be like, okay, we're done with this scene. And I'd be like, no, I'm not done. You know, I want to shoot it. So there were some, there's sometimes communication issues. Um, so those things go wrong, but it really seems to be like who you're around, you know, um, and, and obviously you're also working with a different thing, like with do- documentary, you kind of know who your subjects are. And that's already set up in advance. But when we were auditioning for my film trip, 
we didn't have our lead actress until a couple days before we started shooting. And she drove from Chicago to Dayton to audition for us. And it was kind of like, well, she better be good because we've auditioned all these actresses and had not found anyone who could do the role. And then she showed up and she had great chemistry with our lead actor and it worked out. But, you know, when you're going into that with three days to shoot (laughs) and you don't know if you're going to have a lead actress, those are the kind of things that you really worry about when you're shooting a fiction film. So there's definitely... um, planning and you want it to go all correctly but this is film whatever happens happens and you have to get whatever shots you can you know and sometimes you can go back and film and sometimes you can't like um our sound kit broke in the middle of a 48 hour film contest we were doing and we wanted we want to make the film into um, you know, something that is uh, is better than what we gave in 40, 48 hours. That's one of the latest films I'm trying to finish right now. But it it our film kit broke and our sound person never showed up. In the middle of this shoot, we had 48 hours to get it done. And um, now my other actress lives in New Zealand where she's working. So we can't go back and refilm. And we have... Um, Washington Square Park with a band live. So our sound was a mess. And, you know, I sent it to Jim. I'm like, I don't know if anything can be done to fix this. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have to re-record. So we're finding inventive ways to re-record with an actress in New Zealand, an actress who can get to New York and um, cleaning up audio for, for a scene that it's a great piece and everybody says we need to get it out there, but it's like, you know, you have this sound equipment, it breaks, you know, in the middle of what you're doing and you just keep going and hope that you can fix whatever it is and, you know, hope you can re-record. But it's not always possible to do exactly what you need to get sound right and, and the right shot and... And and that's for any director, too. This is something that could happen to anyone, regardless of being disabled. So we're not only having to work out these problems that non-disabled directors are dealing with, we're having to work it out while also working out accessibility, our stamina, you know, are we going to have enough energy to go an extra hour and all these things. So um, there's a lot on our plates as disabled directors, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I I don't feel at home anywhere quite like I do when I'm on the That's so so good to hear. And I totally know what you mean. It's um, the process itself is what, like, is what drives me. And that... Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, I, you, know, you, you do all that planning and you want everything to go perfectly at the same time. I think when things go wrong, like not horribly wrong, hopefully when, when things happen that you don't expect, I think sometimes, uh, like interesting things can come from that creatively or kind of 
being forced to find a solution um, can bring you to interesting places creatively. And I think this is part of why this conversation around disability and filmmaking is so fascinating. And there's absolutely the, the access part, the practical part of like, how are we going to make these films? There's the, the sort of more, I guess, like cultural or social part, which is like, how is this ability viewed? How are our stories told? And like, you know, when you tell an authentic story, is that going to be appreciated? You know, like, and those types of questions. But I also just think like, disability is a constrained design problem. All filmmaking is a constrained design problem, whether it's a constraint of, you know, uh, uh, money or time or, you know, uh, a technology or what have you. And that it's always, <clears throat> you know, it, it, when, when, when everything is possible, it's actually harder, I think. And I, and I actually think sometimes it's the constraints that you face um, that, that, are really fruitful for creativity. And so I think in many ways, my my own disability has made me a much more creative person, a much more patient person, and a much more, um, I think, focused yeah. and, um, you know, determined person. Like I've learned skills in my like private everyday life, just sort of learning how to navigate and work with my own body that have like translated into how I work in general. And I think I've made me a better artist. And so I, I think that's something that we often don't get a chance to talk about either. Have you found the same thing? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, but that made me think of another question I want to ask you, um, and I want to get to that real quick. Um, how much does collaboration mean to you as a filmmaker? Oh, it's everything. I mean, I think that's part of why I, I enjoy filmmaking so much. I mean, I I enjoy the... the I mean, I, I love the visual medium. I love the sound and the rhythm and the meter of film. But I, you know, before I got sick, I was um, uh, much more of a, of a writer. And, uh, but I think it wasn't the right medium for me. And, right. and a part of it is because, was because it was so solitary. And I actually think that... Um, uh, my ideas are better and they get better. And when you're, when you're working with other people and, and towards a much, you know, um, a vision um, that many different people are, are collaborating towards. And so, um, you know, as a disabled filmmaker, um, you know, having, having a team that was supportive of me creatively and of my disability was really important, right? On like, on like a pure practical level, like I, I work with some amazing producers, um, uh, Lindsay Dryden in the UK and Trish Gillespie in um, the US and Anna Yort in 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 Denmark, who um, you know uh, you know brought together crews were like there on set, um, uh, leading, articulating what I was texting them, you know, and like as as and and helping to make that possible. But then there's the creative side of the collaboration, which is that oftentimes, you know, in that space of people with, um, you know, different strengths and different viewpoints coming together to to make a thing. It, it's like the it's what happens in the space between you that is great, you know, far, far greater than the sum of its parts. And so I think I'm a much better storyteller because of 
the team because of being able to collaborate. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Collaboration. Um, and see, that's where I really struggled in film school was my, none of my peers wanted to collaborate. Um, but I think even more so as a disabled person. And I think as we see these emerging technologies where you can kind of shoot, um, you know, location from a, a remote location, we'll see even more dependence on collaboration as the people that actually go out to these locations and shoot for you become an even bigger part of the, the storytelling process. Well, you know, I have to say it in at the very beginning, like I didn't know anybody in, um, in the film world when I started making unrest. And so I was essentially cold calling or cold emailing people um, who I found online whose portfolios I liked or um, who had made films that I liked. And um, a lot of people were just really skeptical. Like, I felt like some people would, like, you know, humor me with a phone call um, and then like nothing would happen or, um, you know, I, I, I think that there, there were a fair amount of people that just weren't interested in the topic or thought like, what is this, you know, you know, the, the, the sort of, hi, my name is Jen and I'm a bedridden filmmaker was like not really a strong pitch for some people. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that kind of helped get the ball rolling was, um, I, I, there was someone in New York who helped me connect with Sheffield Doc Fest in the UK. And that was how I met my producer, Lindsay, who, um, you know, because we, you know, uh, they had, you know, we had talked to Sheffield about, do you know um, of any producers that might be a good fit for this project? And Lindsay has, um, I, I actually think she may have gotten a new diagnosis, but she's, she's, she's deaf in one ear and has, a, has an interest in, and, um, in, um, uh, she, she's, she, she has an interest in uh, disabled stories and storytellers and had um, made her own documentary um, featuring three um, different um, deaf characters and their relationship to music. Um, and yeah. so it's like, it's a, it's, it's a passion of hers, right? And so immediately she got the story and the ethos behind it. And I think... It was just, it took time, but it was just a question of finding the right people. And obviously in film school, you have fewer options because it's the people that happen to be in your class. But right. I think the world is large and there are people who will be, who would be, um, I think it's excited to work with us because the stories yeah. are, are vital and interesting. And um, I think we're in a moment now in our culture where people want to hear from different voices they want our stories to reflect us um and so i think i don't i, I don't know if you agree or not but i i i think um i think those collaborators are, are out there um but it's definitely hard, it's hard to find them <laughs> yeah i actually just found someone who is producing a new film um, I, I just announced this on Twitter yesterday. I'm working on a new film. I'm, I'm in post-production for my one film that I'm, you know, I'm kind of struggling to raise money to fix our audio on. But there's a new a new film, another narrative piece in the background. Um, and I found a collaborator on it. And 
He is awesome and is in Los Angeles. And I'm going to be coming out to Los Angeles to <gasps> shoot. I don't know. You are? Yeah. Yes, I'm coming to Los Angeles. Um, I don't have dates yet. We don't know when we're shooting. But um, right now we're kind of in the process of trying to get grant money and raise money for the production because, um, you know, it. It actually, I don't want to, this is the one thing, I don't, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I don't want to just be like pigeonholed as like, he's a disabled filmmaker, that's all he does. I want to make films that are about people that just happen to include disabled mm-hmm. characters and disabled actors and, you know, people of color and trans people, um, you know, I want to audition characters for roles that it doesn't say, hey, you have to be a wheelchair user for, you can be, you know, um, and that's something Ashton and I have really started working on is with our scripts. You know, this is a character and we might have a defining, okay, maybe she's a woman, but we're not going to put a specification on, um, you know, she has to be this age specifically or this um, gender, or I mean, not gender, this uh, race. I mean, some characters, it will be, you know, it doesn't matter what gender they are, but I think keeping it more open, you know, so you can audition, um, you know, hey, if you have a role for a lawyer, so you can audition a variety of ages and races and whether they're disabled or not, you're getting disabled people in there and auditioning because we're not seeing. So, so yeah. So, um, I, we're working on this film and, um, I don't know if you know Josh Tate. No, I don't. He did a documentary called Loveland, um, about institutionalization, um, and yeah, we're we're doing a narrative film, and I just met with my cinematographer, who is awesome. Um, she is uh, Asian American. Um, her name is Auden, and I'm really excited to get to work uh, with her. Uh, we seem to have hit it off a lot, I think. Um, and well, and I also told Josh, you know, when I try to get my crew. I try to make sure the crew is diverse. All of my crews have always had more than one disabled person on them. And they always have, you know, many women. Um, My junior thesis film had more women on the crew than men, which to me, um, sometimes it's hard when you're in a smaller area because there are an overwhelming amount of men who have their, you know, applications out there and they've been working. So they have, you know, recommendations and whatnot. But if you really like look past that and say, Hey, I want to work with more women filmmakers or trans filmmakers or, you know, um, LGBT filmmakers, then you can fill those spaces with people who have been, you know, thirsty for an opportunity like the disability community who will, you know, do an amazing job because they want that experience, you know. Not to say that the other filmmakers aren't great, but give some opportunities to the rest of us is kind of what, you know, my motto is when I'm putting together my crew. So um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that and coming out to L.A. 
Well, that that all sounds spot on and is, um, you know, also what I've been thinking a lot about as I've been, I'm starting to um, develop uh, some script ideas. And I think for me, it's just, it's so important that um, the scripts and the stories reflect the the world that we want, right. you know, to make, but that so too does the process in terms of how it's designed and the people that we include in, um, yeah, uh, you know, in the filmmaking, the, the team, the collaborators, the crew. And, and so, um, you know, and I know we've all often had this conversation on, on, on online, on Twitter. And I, I, yes, I believe that, uh, you know, lobbying for inclusion and, you know, higher, um, you know, uh, uh, advisors, uh, you know, with disabilities is important, get people into the writer's rooms. But I, I actually think that to really do it, like, you have to take the Ava DuVernay model, which is like, I'm just going to be it. Meaning like, I'm going to, when I have my TV show, every director is going to be a woman or when I have my, like, you know, and whatever it is, it's, it's sort of, um, I think, you know, frequently, um, the big, I think the bigger studios and the bigger productions tend to be like fairly conservative. And oftentimes people can't even see what's possible until it's someone's done it. And I think a large part of it is like, we have to, we, we ourselves have to be the change. And we have to to do what we can to try to, you know, make it normal to have crews that are diverse in every way. And so that's yeah. something that I, I really want to definitely fight to do. And to I'm really excited to, you know, uh, as a, uh, you know, as an originator, as you are of, of projects, to be able to um, try to, you know, uh, uh, you know, provide like basically create opportunities, um, and, and, and build new networks of people, um, just sort of doing this work. Right. Right. That That's what it is. Building new networks of people that, um, you know, um, and see my cinematographer, she said, did you specifically ask for a woman? And I said, yeah, I told Josh, I, want a female cinematographer or a transgender cinematographer, um, particularly a woman of color, you know, um, if you have the, you know, the means to find someone. And he sent me a bunch of reels and, and audience was the first I saw. And it kind of ruined it for everybody else because it was just so good and kind of on par exactly with the look I was going for. And um, she also, uh, when I asked her what camera she wanted to use, she asked if we could use the camera I've been dying to use my whole life. And then I was like, yes. (laughs) What is that camera? uh the the alexa yeah yeah so um i've been dying to use the re alexa and um she said you know it's all about money and i'm like you know it's always so expensive but we think we can get um you know a good price um because cinematographers a lot of times have you know 
connections. They work with a lot of companies that make them discounts and things like that. And um, we're hoping to get it at a good price. But, you know, um, when she said that and, you know, I, it was kind of like, yes, it, it's like a film marriage made in heaven, you know, because she's we're on the same wavelength of where we're seeing this film going. So um, we want it to be very cinematic. And the Alexa has that very cinematic look. Whereas um, my last film we shot on a Canon and it was much more gritty, you know. Um, oh, that reminds me, I wanted to tell you, you know, since we're talking about accommodating and you were talking about how easy it is to um, make a film set uh, accessible. Well, when I was shooting one of my films, we actually took my house, which is just to give you an idea at the time uh, I lived um, in, in suburban Dayton, Ohio. So the house was like a three bedroom ranch, you know, we turned it into a house that my girlfriend, cause the story was about my girlfriend when she was growing up in Flint, Michigan, and the house looked like a drug house in, in Flint, Michigan in the inside. We actually built wooden walls. Um, we had a, a friend who, who, um, we bought the wood and he donated his time and built the walls and we built an extra wall to make our house look smaller and we painted the walls and and there's this amazing stuff that's called like i don't remember what it's called but it's like hollywood wow. dirt, seems right? like you just made it spray. all dirty <laughs> yeah yeah we we um and and it's supposed to wash right off but we ended up just like repainting our walls and it was fine but um you spray this dirt and stuff and it's what a lot of big film sets use to make their um walls or objects or um you know like even surfaces look grimy so we um we kind of made the house look like it was smaller and it had ugly orange putrid walls and you know it it does not look like a suburban house so like because that house was accessible to me we made it into what it needed to be and really it only took you know um the labor for um or the cost for the wood because we were able to get someone who donated their time which was you know really lucky that i had a friend um who could build a wall for us so um but there's ways to make things accessible, even if you are, you know, want a certain look, because if you, but then that comes down to, do you have the money to do that? And Oh yeah. That's the thing. It is always a question of everything's a question of money. I, I mean, it's, it's, um, but I think, I think there's also, it is a question of money. And then I also think there's ways to be, creative right around right. around the edges of those constraints for sure and sometimes you can find someone who can hook you up with something and and that's another thing you you mentioned just making cold calls and being fearless you know um i know some people may struggle with that but if you have the ability to get out there you know um just to talk about how this isn't uncommon for non-disabled filmmakers. I remember hearing Vin Diesel talk about his first film that he made himself. And he made a 
ton of money, like making cold calls. I don't know what he was offering, if he was selling something, but he made all the money for himself, calling people up and, you know, doing whatever he did to make money. So this is like something any filmmaker can do that that we as disabled people you know, can try to take advantage of when we're trying to make films and find something we can sell, find something we can offer, try to make money wherever we can. And, you know, crowdfunding, there's no shame in crowdfunding. Um, All of my films that I've needed money for, I've crowdfunded with. And, you know, uh, I hate when people in our community say crowdfunding is horrible and you're a bad person for doing it because, you know, everybody's crowdfunding for their films and you want do do people say that oh yeah oh yeah i have been called every name under the sun i'm you know um i'm stealing people's money and it's like you know if people i'm not holding a gun to their head if they want to support my film i'm so grateful you know and um but that means they're supporting you know it's just another way to support the arts and people have been donating food and film and, you know, money and, and, you know, equipment and props and, you know, whatever they can to help film since the beginning of time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, 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 you know, I think, I think, you know, I think a part of it is that there's obviously a lot of people in our community who struggle financially. And so the idea is like, you're stealing money from something else. But I think, I think it's so important that we tell our stories and if we don't tell our stories then who's going to right and and it's and you know who's going to do it do it in a way that is truthful and authentic and i think the you know i i mean my i i i i donate to lots of crowdfunding campaigns because i've been you know some some of them are you know help like you know i used to i i crowdfunding a wheelchair um or crowdfunding a, a film or crowdfunding you know whatever it might be um because i you know I, I crowdfunded my wheelchair i crowdfunded my film and i think i think uh, so i always want to support crowdfunding when i like campaigns when i see them and also retweet them and i think i think it's just a way of you know spreading the love and you do what you're able if you if you can't give then you then then you, you share and maybe somebody else um, right. will see it who, who is in a position to give because we all have different circumstances and our circumstances can vary month to month, year to year. Um, yeah. You know, and I know everything that I have been given, I will eventually give back, you know? And so it's, it's just, uh, I think it's a really important important um and i'm sorry that you get that criticism Um, i see it with other people too you know it's worse to me though when people are crowdfunding for wheelchairs because you know um i was stuck in bed for two years i'm still struggling to get out my wheelchair is much better but um because of my disability my muscles kind of like freeze up you know that's why my neck is kind of tucked into my chin i've been working for over a year and you would be surprised, like, um, if you saw it to begin with, where my neck has gone. I've, I've had great improvement, but it, it's like a matter of inches, you know, to get to get my neck so it's no longer embedded. But that's what happens because of my disability is my muscles lock up, and then I get stuck like that from being trapped, trapped in bed, so I'm fighting to get back out. But I would have had an even longer struggle if I had not crowdfunded my wheelchair. And it's like, you know, Medicaid, didn't want to 
you, Medicaid wanted to pay, but I'm also on Medicare and Medicare's primary. And Medicare was like, well, we got you a wheelchair before five years ago. We're sorry, yours broke, but good luck. Call us in five years, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so because Medicare is primary, Medicaid said, we want to give you a wheelchair, but we're sorry, we can't. Um, they have to pay first, and then we pay what's left. So I ended up having to crowdfund $20,000 for my wheelchair, and um, it's amazing. It is so comfortable, but my body is like, you're crooked, you're bent, you're messed up in ways that being in bed for two years really fucked you up. And so um, to have people just, you know, I, I see it with other people all the time criticizing this crowdfunding of wheelchairs, and it's like, you don't you don't understand or you have, um, you know, the privilege of having your wheelchair purchased by your, you know, parents' insurance or your, you have a better insurance or you got lucky because Medicare or Medicaid wanted to give you your wheelchair that day. But that's not everybody's experience. So I, I hope we can come to a place where it's like, you know, we just support people doing what they need for themselves and we're not going to criticize it but we don't have to be a part of it if we don't want to exactly exactly so jen brea what's next for you um what's next uh well i'm i I'm I, there are a couple of things that are next. Um, I'm still doing activism and um, I have an organization called ME Action, which is for people with ME, um, my diagnosis. And uh, but I'm hoping I'm hoping if we can crack the code on like what really good like effective virtual organizing and community organizing looks like um, that, that it, we, we might, we, we might be able to open it up, but we, we, we're still, we're still figuring, we're still figuring that out. Um, so I, I haven't quite, you know, we haven't quite built a model that, uh, that I feel we can share with other people yet, but we're, we're working on it. So I, I just think it'd be so amazing to, you know, develop new ways to really like mobilize, you know, millions of people around healthcare, around disability, um, you know, and, 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 uh, and I think, I think in some ways that, you know, so much of the, I'm so sorry, I'm now going off on a tangent, but like, I think a lot of the disease advocacy is really important. Um, yeah. And um, at the same time, it's almost serves to kind of like separate people when they're and make it harder to like rally around the bigger overarching issues whether it's like regulatory environment at the fda or like healthcare or access and i think it's 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 um there's more people that we can be bringing into those larger uh uh, efforts so um anyway but i'm 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 um really trying to take the campaign that i made did around our film um, unrest uh, and institutionalize it and um, uh, build kind of that movement um, for people with ME to the next kind of level. And that's a part of that is something called Millions Missing, which is coming up on May 12th. And it's a, um, a global day of, of action where people online um, in their homes um, and in the streets are going to um essentially call out uh, the director of the NIH, Francis Collins, and say, you know, what 
why why are you not taking this more seriously so that's that's sort of the next immediate thing um and i'm hoping that um you know allies in the disability community will help to support and signal boost that effort in any way that 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 you that they can and then i'm also developing um uh, some scripts for uh, um, what are probably going to be short films. I'm 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 interested in um, kind of both creating a sandbox um, that's not trying to like climb the mountain of a full length feature just yet um, to explore um, my own sort of like visual sensibilities as a director um in a context where i have now control which was hard with this you know in a documentary that was like shot remotely and so to to really kind of um uh do that in short form um and also to experiment with um uh you know essentially like what is the what are the, what are the tools what are, what are the tech what are the ways of designing production to make it accessible to me and i'm hoping if i can crack that code i can kind of work my way up to um you know something feature length um but it's interesting i think all of my you know all of my story ideas all involve disability in some way and it, it's it's even when i'm trying to like think of like something in, in a in a genre where you might not usually sort of think of um telling a story or having a character with disability it's like inevitably that that person pops up in my head and i think it's just because that's right. the experience that i'm living that those are the conversations that i'm involved in those are the people that i've met and and i just feel really passionate that 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 i think some of the most creative untold stories lie in that space so i think i'm doing what you're doing which is is trying to you know, make movies in LA and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I can't wait to meet you when you come. Um, I would love to meet you, uh, uh, when you come out here to shoot your film and, um, um, just, just going to keep, going to keep making movies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see what, um, you come up with next. Um, especially, I'm especially excited to see what you're, doing narratively and um i can't say very much about it but um i may have some answers eventually um i want to i'm working on some top secret ideas right now that i think could have some benefits for those of us who are you know kind of in the thing where we might be able to handle a, a short film but you know, feature film seems a little a little more daunting given stamina and you know those long days and money and all kinds of things. So, um, hopefully, unveiling that you know in the next year or so, um, I think that that it could be really beneficial for all disabled people. Um, you know, so. Um, it's so great to talk to you and have you on Disrupt the Media. Um, everyone check out Unrest. It is a great film and I think it's a lot, there's a lot of relatability um, to, you know, your journey while not the same as mine is similar, you know, this kind of idea where you, um, See, I didn't look disabled for a long time. I walked. Um, if you didn't see me limp, you couldn't know. 
So I kind of walked between both worlds. And then, you know, this whole idea that, you know, your life suddenly ends and getting to a point where you accept that your life is just beginning in a new way. Uh, Mm-hmm. That that was so relatable, you know, and I think a lot of disabled people will feel that relatable relatability, and I think a lot of people who aren't disabled will find that relatable in some way in other aspects of their lives. So, thank you so much, Jen. Please, everybody, make sure to subscribe to Disrupt the Media and like us and leave a rating saying, you know, that you like the show if you do because. The more rating subscriptions we get, the more money we can make, the more sponsor opportunities we can have. I'm Dominic Evans for Disrupt the Media. We'll talk to you next time.